0: Amen. I'm going to talk to you about 12 baskets full. Uh, and really, I want to talk to you about what do you do when you really get exhausted in this Christian life. How many people know what it feels like to be exhausted? Woo, I am a parent of two toddlers. I, and I don't even have a clue how y'all do it. Uh, those of you who have four toddlers. But we know the word exhausted. And I don't know if you've ever been so tired. I have been so tired in my life. Uh, even as a christian right do we 're going to talk really about being tired and finding rest in the Christian life uh, in a, kind of in a unique way, but uh, I remember a moment in my life as as a young pastor, I was associate pastor in Missouri, and I remember just the stress I was running all the operations of the church and just starting several ministries at the same time and overseeing a bunch and uh, building projects and all kinds of outreaches and I remember coming into the the sanctuary on a sunday and i remember walking we have this two-story church we had walked up the stairs and one of my leaders came up to me and this is a very spirit-filled person and they just said hey how are you but it wasn't one of those hey how are you it was one of those no how are you and i about broke down in tears and i didn't know why Anybody ever had that problem before? You just started crying. You don't know why. And I'm a dude, Okay, I'm admitting it. I'm going to keep my man card after this sermon. But uh, you're just so exhausted. I'm talking mental and spiritual exhaustion. I would rather go out in the field and work all day long and be physically tired, go to bed and get up than be mentally and emotionally tired. How many people know that's true, right? Mental and emotional tiredness is a whole nother level, and spiritual tiredness is kind of the same way. I don't know if you know what it's like to be spiritually exhausted. Uh, And I do, and I I know there's many in this room that do as well. So that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight, the spiritual exhaustion. Because even in physical exhaustion, uh, we can either be so tired that we get really, really cranky and irritable. Like I've probably been sometimes, and in, in, in my household, you are just mad and you don't know why and everything annoys you. You know, it's like stop that banging, stop that racket, do that. Why does everybody? And then you just you're you're just on a fuse all the time because you're just so tired. Well, I think spiritually you can get to that place too, and we need to know how. In a, as a spiritual being, how do we deal? with spiritual exhaustion and what is spiritual rest and how do we go through those moments in life as we're trying to be a Christian as best as you can uh, and you're tired of life, you're tired, and do you check out? Do you take a break from ministry? Do you give up responsibility? Uh, Sometimes those are true. Sometimes those are, uh, as you walk through with a counselor, those are things maybe you need to do. But there's also where we go back to Scripture and say, what did Jesus do? with his disciples, all right? So Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 31. Let me give you the context. Uh, the 12 disciples, the apostles, had gone out, and they had gone out, and Jesus sent them out with his power to do signs and wonders. They went out to preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal all sorts of diseases. This is one of the first times they've gone out on their own, right? And so Jesus sends them out, and they're going throughout all the villages in Galilee, so it's rural community area, right? Many of them raised there. So they're going through all these towns, preaching the gospel, casting out demons, healing the, healing the sick. Meanwhile, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And so the disciples come back. They report all the crazy things God has done and what they taught on. And then Jesus hears, hey, your good cousin, probably his cousin, your friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. Jesus is ultimately saddened by the news. He hears his disciples. And guess what? They're kind of exhausted. Exhausted. They've done ministry on their own for the first time. And it was phenomenal. It was revival. It was preaching and signs and wonders. And they come back, but Jesus recognizes they're tired. And if you've ever been a Sunday school teacher or a kids worker or a small group leader or you've uh, participated in outreaches or you serve your community, there are moments where you're going to begin to do, you're doing ministry, maybe it's on the worship team or whatever, and it's just like life Doing ministry can be exhausting. Serving others, being selfless. Maybe it's serving your family members. Maybe it's been that you have just tried to be the most Christian person in a dysfunctional family you can be. Always bailing people out of problems, praying for people, counseling people, doing all those types of things. And it just gets exhausting, right? And uh, that's where he finds these guys. So look at Mark chapter 6 verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Here's why. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. We don't find that problem in American preaching too much. You know, pastors, we eat well. He says, they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Verse 33. And people saw them coming and going, and they recognized them, and they ran together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. So here's the, the, kind of the idea. They're in one part. There's this big five-mile-wide lake called the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. They're on one side. He says, let's go to a secluded place, let's cross the Sea of Galilee, get to the mountains on the other side, the Golan Heights, and let's go up there where there's really no small towns. Well, people see them, they run all the way around this five-mile-wide huge lake and get there before. There's excitement there, by the way. That's not an easy feat to do. You're taking the shorter route. They run around you on foot. They really wanted to be where Jesus was. They were hungry and thirsty for something more than this world had to offer. And so Jesus goes ashore, and he sees a large crowd. And he says he felt compassion for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things, and it was already now quite, quite late. And the disciples came to him and said, hey, this place is, a, is desolate. It's already quite late. Send them away. They can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So, again, let them go back to where they came from or back to the surrounding areas, give them some food. But he answered and said, you give them something to eat. And he said to them, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii, which is 200 days wages, on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And they went and they found out and they said, Five loaves and two fish. Now we know from John that it was a little boy who had those things. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, and he kept on giving them to the disciples to set before them. He divided up the two fish among them all, and they ate, and guess this, they were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also the fish. There were 5,000 men, and the other gospels say there was also women and children beyond that, maybe 10, 20,000 people that that miracle fed. Then he sends the crowd away, all right? Now, if you're a disciple, what just happened? Your vacation just got interrupted, right? He said, let's go find a place to rest. You've been doing ministry. Great job. You've been doing serving your community. You've been preaching the gospel. You've been doing everything I told you to do. And I know it's exhausting, and he's the son of God. He's exhausted, so he knows rest is important. By the way, God's the God of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest. He knows physical rest for His people are important. By the way, if you're not getting a full night's sleep, get a full night's sleep. If you're not taking off one day a week to seek the Lord and just be in His house and not do work and not mow and getting all busy, do that. That's part of the Ten Commandments, by the way. It's like up there with murder, rest. I'm just saying. I didn't write it, but that's what it is. Murder and rest. We'd be all in jail right now, by the way. Okay, so rest. He says it's important. He wanted his disciples to do it. He knew physically they had to do it. But here they go. Have you ever had one of your naps interrupted? Again, parent of a toddler. All the time, like today, right? There's just sometimes you're trying to sleep, and then the cars go by, or the birds are chirping, and blah, blah, blah. One time we had squirrels in our attic. Oh my gosh, that is the most annoying thing in the world. You hear when you're trying to sleep at night. Let to just say, a couple of bullets later, no more squirrels. But because you don't mess with my rest, right? You trying to sleep at night, there's no sounds. You don't want any of that. So he's saying, they're going on a boat. Let's go have a little vacation. Get away from the crowds. And sure enough, you get there, and there's all of the people who's got problems. Sometimes, maybe you've had a day off before. It got interrupted. Work calls you back. That's like the worst, right? No, like, y'all like to work. Okay. Uh, but see, he's saying rest is important. He takes them to a desolate mountain across the sea. It's a place with no food and far away from people. Guess what he didn't take them to? He did not take them to the Holiday Inn. He did not take them to Branson, Missouri to rest. You see, the Lord's rest is different than the world's rest. We all have vacations. It's a great thing. We can go to Disney like our family or go somewhere. And all those places are great. But the way the world thinks about solving problems is not always the way God thinks about them. And I've been told it's like this, when the way to describe this kingdom of heaven that we're a part of, it's an upside-down kingdom. To give is to gain, right? It's, it's upside-down. To, uh, to take up your cross and die to flesh is to live. To die to live. It doesn't make any sense. And, and he says... No, it's not about taking this vacation. I'm taking you somewhere where there's no food, no beds, no water, no tents. There's no entertainment. You don't just rest by going and sitting and watching in front of the TV all day. That's not the rest that God is leading them to. It's a different kind of rest. So what is he doing? He's leading them to be alone with himself. Think about this. You know, a poured out life, which is hopefully your life and my life, and as we are all ministers of God, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a place where you're always giving. You're always giving of yourself, and it can be intense. It can be a, a time, and God is saying to these guys, hey, you've got to take care of yourself. And in this moment, it could be very easy to want to quit. You could, I mean, uh, I can't tell you how many times, as a minister of the gospel, uh, this 10 plus 11 years, quitting has come in my mind. Because you give and you give and you give, but it's like it doesn't always make a difference sometimes. Or maybe you, again, get to that place. You're like, well, what point is it? Or, man, this isn't what it's always cracked up to be. I'm giving to my family. I've been helping and helping and helping, and why do I do it? Or I'm serving and serving and serving, and I just need a break. I need to focus on me. And that is such the temptation of the flesh and of the enemy to want to focus on me. Because sometimes it's very easy for me to say, you know, if I just didn't serve uh, and I could take a break and I could just do this, I could have some more, you know, you know what you do with that? You'd have more TV time. (laughs) You'd have more time to buy your hobbies. You'd have more time to be doing and getting yourself into trouble. And you wouldn't, oftentimes it doesn't work out where you quit ministry and you read your Bible more and you pray more. Very few people I've ever seen quit ministry and read more and pray more and study more and serve more. That's normally not how it works. We disengage, we start focusing on self. And here's where Jesus is about to take them on a whole new avenue of this rest idea. He takes them to the wilderness to pray. Because he knows you don't rest for a ministry the same. So he has rest, and then here's all these people. In my opinion, this would be a nuisance. All these people are crowding him in his rest. Well, God, how am I going to sleep? God, how am I going to get rest? All these people are asking for things. They want you, They're blah, blah, blah. And so they're trying to nap in a way, and they're getting interrupted. So how many people think that's annoying, right? Okay, but here's the deal. What does Jesus do? Where I would see this as an annoying situation. God, my day off has just been interrupted by so-and-so wanting something. God, I need to take a break. I need some rest. This family member is driving me crazy. I need some rest. And Jesus looks at them and says that he saw them, and he had compassion on them. I don't know about you, but Heath Harris is not naturally a compassionate person. I have to really, really work on that af- aspect. And ministry has helped me a lot, but I still have a long, long way to go. And he's saying, because uh, I was like, you've interrupted my me time, my me time. Even me, and what about your prayer time? You know, I, uh, there's not... Been, it's been a many a times over the course of years where I, we and the staff will be will be in prayer, and all of a sudden someone will come in and they'll have an urgent need, and we'll be in the middle of praying. We'll be in the middle of praying, and somebody pounding on the door needing something, uh, and and you're thinking, well, that's robbing me of my my time. And Jesus says, but I have compassion on them, and so they they he says they're not a nuisance. And maybe we see other people in our lives that are, are takers a lot as a nuisance. He says the 12, they, they look at him and they say, let's send them away. Let's let them, just go back and, and buy something. Go, go feed yourself. Go try to figure it out on your own. Because guess what? I'm not enough to feed you. I don't have the money to feed you. I don't have the wisdom to tell you everything you need to have. I don't have a problem solution calculator here to give you. I can't fix your life. And you're coming to me trying to tell me, how you know, getting my help to fix your life, and it's just, oh, my gosh, can we just take a break? You guys leave us alone, please. These guys are like, they want to be bouncers for Jesus. That's what they want to do. Just, please, somebody, leave me alone. I've been there. How many, come on, let's be All Are y'all people? All right, good. I'm not the only person in here. So he says, they say, try to figure it out. Y'all just leave me alone. I'm shutting the curtains, turning off the doorbell. You know, everybody's gone. Nobody's home. I tell you what, I've done that before. <laughs> we lived in the middle of a, a downtown area, and, and Beth and I lived, and there's a sidewalk in front. And, I, you know, we'd have a march every morning at 6 a.m. A marching man walked down the street to go to the high school. I'm talking, it was just no privacy at all. And if you wanted to be alone, and I lived 53 feet, Miss Georgia, I took a tape measure and measured. I lived 53 feet away from my church office. And so let me tell you, if you were outside barbecuing on your day off, hey, pastor, it was always there. And so it was this, this thing. So we just shut ourselves in, shut the lights off, you know, pretend nobody's home. You could drive, drive your cars around the block, leave them. I didn't ever do that. But, you know, there's this, i got to be alone. And he says, I'm, the, the disciples are like, I'm not enough for these people, God. I'm not enough to do this job. I'm not enough to keep on teaching kids. I'm not enough to keep on worshiping. I'm not enough to serve this church or this community. I'm not enough for my family. And Jesus says, I know you're not. But I am. And so he sees this compassion, and he has from rest to compassion to now supernatural provision. You see, they had a limited supply even for themselves. They didn't even have their own food. They could barely feed themselves, and here they are trying to have some rest. It's like, God, didn't you even think to pack in the lunchbox as we got across this lake here a good steak or something that we could eat on? But no, we didn't have anything ourselves. You've got us out here trying to rest in the middle of coyotes and stars and chiggers and ticks and mosquitoes. They didn't have all that, you know, in, in Galilee. But here we are, and I don't have any of that. How am I going to rest? And not only that, all these people just showed up. And how are we going to rest now? They're all wanting all your attention. I can't even get anything from Jesus. Jesus isn't even answering my prayers. I don't feel like God's even talking to me. I don't feel the Holy Spirit moving in my life. I don't sense like I got any kind of revival to give back to all these people who want to take everything from us. Now, if you've been in ministry more than one year, you will understand what I'm saying. And I'm talking even vocational or volunteer ministry. And it's like all this stuff is coming against them. Not only do they don't have enough for themselves, they don't have enough for the people. It says even 200 days' wages of a common laborer wouldn't even have provided all the thing. But here's what I love what one author says. It says, the miracle then took place not in their hands, but in his. It's whatever we give to Jesus, he can bless and he can multiply. They found and scrounged whatever they had, and Jesus took what little thing They had to give and multiplied it. I like what Nathan said earlier when he gave his testimony about just being available. And you don't even have all the words to say, but if you're just obedient to the Holy Spirit, he actually can do things through that moment and give that person more than you could have ever given them. He could have tried to counsel that lady at that restaurant and give her all the scriptures, but that wouldn't have been what God wanted to give her. It was something that God had enough for that person, all he's looking for is a willing vessel to say, God, I don't have enough to feed myself. God, I don't have enough to give these people who need uh, wisdom from me or prayers from me or help from me or whatever it is. But say, God, here's what I do have. And as they put it in Jesus's hands, see, Jesus didn't. They weren't the ones doing the miracle. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he took the dried fish and he separated and then he handed it back to them. And they then became the instruments of the miracle. You and I are supposed to be the instruments of the miracle to your family and to this community. It is not God asking you to give more and more and more and more. He's saying, I am the more. And if you would just be the instrument, I would begin to do the miracle through you as you surrender to say, God, yes, God, I'm not enough. Yes, God, I admit these people do annoy me. But Lord, as a surrender to you, it says that they had as much as they wanted. They were all filled, one, uh, one gospel says. Another says they were all satisfied. So, you see, I lack. There's been times in my life as I preach, uh, and I guess this is the best way for me to explain it, is that, I've had weeks where I will go through a week, and I will feel like God is not speaking to me. I don't feel anything on this sermon. I will try to write a sermon and try to write a sermon, and nothing will come. And I will have this message I think is okay theologically prepared on a piece of paper. And I'll sense, oh, God, you're going to just have to really... I mean, I will be praying from the moment I leave, I'll get up in the morning through the shower into this place until i'm sitting on that seat until the moment i walk across the stage to touch this pulpit i'm saying god i can't do this job i can't i'm not good enough i don't have enough i don't know what i'm going to do how you going how am i going this this isn't enough this isn't what i need i don't have it and it just as sure enough as you just open your mouth to do what god has called you to do it just comes through that's how it works you see, Pastor Heath is not this, wow, amazingly educated person. Pastor Heath actually is a horrible person who wouldn't want to do this job at all. You see, it's God who has to use us as the vessel. And he just says, I want to use you to be my miracle. Because in, in, in all actuality, in, in, we're, not, no, we're not awesome. He's the awesome one. We're never enough. I don't have enough counseling hours in my office to handle all the issues that could come. I don't have enough knowledge of the Bible to answer all of your questions. I don't have it. But what we do have is say, God, I lack. I don't have it. And he says, okay, that's good. I'm glad you understand where you are in this food chain because I'm the one that they came for. I'm the one that they need from. And so just like God provided in the wilderness with Israel, Jesus illustrated on that night, I'm the bread from heaven that has come down from you, from heaven to you. And so everyone, and get this, I'm closing. Everyone who goes into the wilderness with Jesus gets full. Everyone who goes into the wilderness with Jesus gets full. That's not by our own means. It's through him. And so you get into a, a desperate place. You've got a lot on your plate. You're trying to be the good Christian you ought to be. You don't take a break. You don't go to a holiday inn. You don't check out of ministry. You don't resign your position. Because, let me tell you, I don't see that in Scripture. I think there is a, a, a clear path in Scripture for taking a Sabbath every week. I think there's a good clear path in Scripture for resting. But I don't see anybody like Paul or the disciples checking out. I don't see any of them giving up or calling it quits. They all learned that their true rest was not in the way the world rests, but it was in a person. His name is Jesus. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He provides miracles, and through mercy, he provides that miracle, that manna from heaven, through empty vessels who say, God, I am not enough. And I realize that, Holy Spirit, you're going to be the one to do things through me as I surrender unto you. And there, here we have it, and i have wrapped up with this, is this. They went through this needing a rest. They saw he had compassion. Now they've seen supernatural provision through their own hands. God was doing something through them that they didn't even want to do. To Remember, they didn't even want to feed the people. And here they are feeding the people. You see, God can make you do things you don't want to do. Just saying. I never wanted to be a pastor. Ever, John Smith. Never. This was not on my bucket list. I didn't want this job. Actually, they had to force me to be a small group leader, and I hated it. But here you go. You surrender, and you might end up doing something you don't want to do. But what happens is you get to be a part of a miracle. It's wonderful to be a part of a miracle. And I look and I say, God, I'm just passing on things. He passes to me. I passed it in. I, I mean, do you think about this. They're sitting in groups of 50. There's only 12 of them. They're just passing it along. And guess what? Probably that group began to pass that miracle on to that group. I don't think the disciples touched it all. I think they just went from this person. We're just passing it to the first 12 groups. Those 12 groups begin to pass to the other groups. And the people begin to be a part of the miracle. You might have an influence on somebody's life who's going to have an influence on somebody else's life who's going to have an influence on somebody else's life because you said, Yes, God, I know it's not about me. I'm just going to surrender and say, Lord, help use me. And then in this moment, here's these empty disciples. They hadn't ate yet, by the way. They fed the people first before they ate. That's a whole other sermon in itself. And it says, they were filled. He says to the disciples, now gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled. How many baskets? How many disciples? Twelve and twelve. Fragments from the barley loaves were left over and the fish as well. Through helping Jesus... They were whole. Jesus was illustrating to them it was a broken life that results in being filled. See, Jesus was the bread, and Jesus was being broken, and Jesus was the one filling. And as you and I say, Lord, I want to be broken with you, God, as I want to be emptied out with you, he says now that's when you're truly full. When you get to that place where you realize you're not enough, That's when he says, okay, now I can start to use you. It's when those get to those broken moments, we say, God, I can't do this job. He says, great, now I can. It's when we get totally emptied of self and thinking, if I just had more time, if I had more knowledge, if I had more education, if I had more rest, if I had more holiday time, if I had more vacation days, God, then I would serve my church. Then I would get involved in ministry. God, if I just had more time to do what, I need to do, then Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And that's not the way the kingdom works. You will never have enough rest having more days off at work to do kingdom work. It doesn't work that way. You don't say, okay, I'm going to do kingdom work, but I need X amount of vacation days from my job. I need more time at home. If I could just get all my hobbies in my life and my family worked out, that's not how it works. It's just the other way. You give to gain. You die to live. You serve to have rest. It's weird. As they began to continue to serve in the middle of their weakness, they ended up at the end of the day, all of them having enough to eat. Not only them, Pastor Christian said this week, their whole family. Each one could take back a whole basket to their whole family that often followed them and their families all lived in Galilee. They had enough for the journey ahead to be full for what God was going to take them to the next level. You see, as you begin to serve and pray and give and participate in the miracle of God, you are sure to receive everything you need to continue to be a part of the miracle. doesn't make any sense in the natural. Say, God, help me to be a broken life made full. As you begin to eat on your study, maybe you're studying the Word of God for your Sunday school class, you're going to begin to eat on it. I tell you what, I get more out of my sermons than anybody else. Because I spend 8 to 12 hours on each one. And God just feeds me. I get to eat on with the miracle that He's given to this church, you know, it's His Word. As I begin to pour out, it's like it's so you ever go to you know, you feel good when you serve. You go to a soup kitchen before we um we went to a, every Sunday every other Sunday night, or maybe it was once a month, Beth would have to correct me, we would go to this homeless shelter in uh in our community up in Missouri, and we'd go there and we'd play board games with this this homeless shelter. We just go there, no, no strings attached, just, hey, we're going to show up with board games and play with the people who are there, some kids and some adults. I got more out of that than probably they did because it was good to serve people. Helping your neighbor, you feel good, right? Serving your church, you feel good. Giving in the offering, you should feel good. You should feel good to tell somebody about Jesus, to give the word. Man, the first person I led to God, I remember it because it was such a high, And, man, when I led that first person to God, it was like, oh, man, that was a rush. I actually got up on my bed and started jumping up and down because it was so awesome to do something for Jesus and see a miracle in somebody's life. If we could just say, Lord, help us to be a part of the miracle, you're going to end up with 12 baskets full along the way. Amen? Would you stand with me tonight? Worship team, would you come?